What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. This week on the Minding Wellness Podcast, I bring you Jasmine Sasek. She is co-founder of Family Tree Holistic Health in Arlington Heights, Illinois, where she practices Reiki and teaches hypnobirthing childbirth classes. Her husband, Michael, is a licensed acupuncturist at the practice, and together they have fostered 20, that's right, two zero children in the past eight years and completed four adoptions. Jasmine is passionate about helping other families figure out a work-life balance that allows them to pursue their dreams, help others, and live their best life. In this episode, we talk so many great things. First and foremost, though, is Jasmine asks her kids what true wellness means to them, which I absolutely loved. We go through her background and journey to the work she does now, and I ask her some very basics on Reiki, as I know many of you may have heard of it, but many of you also may not have actually had that service done. So I want to get to the very basics so you have an idea of what energy healing is and how it looks to her. And we just continue on talking about her family, how she incorporates these practices into her family life. We had a great conversation. I can't wait for you to listen. All right. I'm excited to welcome Jasmine Sasek to the Minding Wellness podcast today. And it's so interesting because I just finished another recording talking about energy healing. And so this, this ties in. So I, you know, it's all the universe does its thing and I love how it does it. So thank you so much for joining me today, Jasmine. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this. Absolutely. I love to give others the opportunity to share their stories because I know how impactful they can be and you just never know who's listening, who it's going to hit them just the right way at the right time. So as we begin each episode, what does true wellness mean to you? Okay. So I've been prepping for this question because I know you always ask this <laughs> and um, I've been struggling a little bit with it only because all your other guests have had such beautiful and eloquent answers for it, which are, I agree with all of them. And it wellness, I think is such a personal thing. Um, so I wasn't sure how to state it any better than any, you know, or any differently even than anybody else has. So I, I, on a whim, I asked my kids this morning, what wellness is to them. So I was just going to share a couple of their thoughts. First, my son, Dean, said, well, that's hard. I can't think of any words to go with that, which uh, resonated because that's pretty much how I was feeling. It's such a huge concept. My six-year-old, Rosie, said, when you get toys to yourself, and <laughs> which is a pretty great answer for, a, you know, like a middle, middle child of a large family. But then she thought about it for a moment, and I think she realized she could go a little deeper with it. And she said, well, it's taking deep breaths. So that's good advice. But my favorite answer was from my daughter, Juliet, who's 11, and she's um, a very old soul, I think. And she said, wellness is feeling like you have everything you want from life. And I think that hits the nail on the head. And I know, Juliet, I know she doesn't mean that in a terribly materialistic kind of way. It's not that want, want, want 
sort of idea, but it's, it's the being satisfied and feeling grateful and fulfilled by what you already have in every arena of your life, um, including mind, body, soul. So I'm going to go with that one. I think wellness is feeling like you already have everything you want from life. Okay, Jasmine, this um, is fabulous. Can I just tell you like the hairs on my arms, you know, as a, I feel like as a mom, um, anytime you talk about, you know, kids and their insights, it's like the hairs on your, on your arms just stand up. So I, I love that you, that you listened to the other's responses and realized, you know what, maybe I can get some insights from my kids. And uh, I just love that. I just love that. And I'm pretty sure my son would probably say what Dean said. I, um, I don't even know that I've he's listened and he's probably thought about it. I don't know that I've like made him answer that question. So that's absolutely happening today after school. So thank you for inspiring me to get his take on it. Maybe I'll have to put that in the next episode or at the end of this one, but uh, I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. I think this is a testimony to your parenting, which we will get to. Your parenting is a huge part of your life and uh, how fabulous that your kids have said such meaningful answers to that question. And thank you so much for sharing with me and the audience. Fabulous. Yeah, you're welcome. It was really, it was a fun little experiment to ask them about that. I love it. I just absolutely love it. That's what I'm going to tell my guests. If you can't answer it, I'm sure you've got, you've got a little soul around you who probably has an amazing insight. I love, love, love it. All right, let's dive into your background and how you and your husband sort of found your way into the work you currently do. Okay, absolutely. So, uh, you know, spoiler alert, I'll start with the ending a little bit, but we run a a brick and mortar um, wellness practice in the suburbs of Chicago. He's a acupuncturist and I'm a Reiki practitioner and childbirth uh, educator. And, but, you know, we had sort of our ups and downs getting there. Our journey um, started basically when we met, he had finished undergraduate school. He had gone to school sort of pre-med with a biology degree. Um, His mom is a nurse. His dad is a doctor. He always assumed he'd go into some sort of medicine. And I think he assumed it would be something, you know, more sort of mainstream Western medicine. Um, So when we met, he already had his mindset that he was going to be a dentist. And um, as we, we started dating and then we moved in together and he was starting to apply to dental schools, trying to, you know, figure out what he was going to do with his life and, and a career down the road. And I remember talking to my mom um, and my mom is sort of an old school hippie. Um, and so I get a lot of my, my more sort of mindfulness and holistic ways from her. But I remember speaking to her and saying, this just doesn't, I don't see him as a dentist. It's not fitting. I feel like he just kind of, you know, rolled the dice and chose randomly a career. And I I don't feel like it's quite his path. Um, So sure enough, you know, as sort of happens when we are, you know, perhaps pursuing something that mentally we think is the right path for us, but perhaps it's not the way the universe is nudging us. Um, Things were not clicking into place for him going to dental school, it just was not, um, it just was not coming together very easily. So one morning we were at home together and I was, I had Oprah on, which is funny because I just listened to your episode about how Oprah has inspired your life. Yes. Um, I was like, Oprah, yeah. what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we were watching Oprah and she had an acupuncturist on and, um, I feel, and maybe it's just because of our life now you know, that we run an acupuncture practice. I feel like I see acupuncture everywhere, but you know, this was like 13 years ago and you just really did not see and hear about acupuncture as much as I feel like you do now. So we had never really, you know, gotten acupuncture or seen it much, but Mike had in, um, in his, uh, pre-med program, 
he had gone to China to study acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine. Um, so he was familiar with it in that way. He, he thought that he was going to use that knowledge, you know, as he moved forward with more of a Western medicine path. And, and that was sort of the end of that chapter for him. But then watching Oprah, we see, um, you know, this acupuncturist on who she's talking to, and he actually gives Oprah a, a small acupuncture treatment on the show. And I said, Mike, this, this is what you should do. This is what you're meant to do. And I think he probably rolled his eyes at first, but then we both went our separate ways to work that day. And when we came back to dinner that night, I had like researched, you know, acupuncture as a career and as a business option and acupuncture schools. And so I was all ready to like, you know, throw all this information at him that night and convince him to do it. And it turns out he had already done all the same research that day and realized on his own that, yes, this was what he wanted to do. Um, it was a viable career. There were schools that were really convenient to where we were already living so we wouldn't have to relocate. Um, and that was it. We were off and running. And he did three years of full-time school for uh, acupuncture for his graduate degree and came out as a licensed and board-certified acupuncturist. So. Now we've been running the um, practice for, um, it'll be, almost, it's almost 10 years that he's been in practice. Um, we started out really small, just a room in our house. Uh, we started with one client a week who came to see him every week, this little old lady. Um, and it grew from there. Then we were really excited when we got to two clients a week and then three clients a week. And we've moved offices several times um, to get larger and larger spaces. And now we've joined um, with another acupuncturist who's Mike's partner now. Um, her name's Carissa McCallum, and she's extremely talented. So they run the acupuncture practice together. Um, and so we've just been blessed. I mean, it's, you know, this, it has taken off and it has, it's been an amazing journey. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I started offering Reiki at the office, which is a, an energy healing um, I sort of describe it as being sort of the same principles or similar principles to acupuncture, but without the needles. And I always had a fear of needles. I love acupuncture now, but, um, but, but the Reiki has always been sort of a natural fit for me. Um, I grew up with a lot of um, kind of new agey, holistic healing sort of stuff around. Um, so I actually started doing Reiki probably around 11 or 12 years old. Um, and then growing up as, you know, kind of a young adult, I sort of pushed that all aside and pursued other things in life. Um, but that it has come so beautifully full circle that we have this wonderful space and opportunity for me to practice Reiki again and offer that to our clients at the office. So um, on the professional standpoint, I guess that's our journey and that's uh, where we're at now. Wow. So many insights here that I just want to point out. First and foremost is all good things come from Oprah. No, I'm kidding. I mean, it's kind of true. But <laughs> um, So uh, yeah, I just, I can't even say enough about her, but I already said it. So if you want to hear my take on Oprah, I've already recorded that episode, but I love, you know, uh, I mean, I, I went to, I can, I can relate because I went to pharmacy school and I felt like I was, you know, checking all the boxes and doing what I thought I was supposed to do. And I probably at that time was getting a, a few nudges that I sh maybe shouldn't, or maybe that wasn't the perfect fit for me, but I was not, I was not in a spiritual place at that point to even be open to anything other than what was in my head that I needed to do. So, um, I love, I love the story because I think it gives people the, 
voice and validation that if they feel like they're being nudged another way to listen and to be open mm-hmm. to that. So um, I, I appreciate that story for, for so many reasons, because while this, you know, this type of a holistic approach was, was pretty heavy in your life. And this seemed like a, a perfect fit for you. It took your husband some, you know, just um, some downloads from the universe to say, maybe this is the way I should go too. And I love that now you're doing it together, which is, is so fabulous. I mean, I, I'm assuming it's fabulous. I don't know. I'm sure some people, some, some couples working together, maybe it wouldn't be fabulous, but you've got your own patients and it's not like you're right next to each other all day long. So um, it's obviously working perfectly fine. And I want to point out that um, you started, he started with one client a week in your home. That's, is that what you said? Yep. Yes. Okay. So um, for yeah, those- it was a very slow start. He worked full time at a lab doing, you know, kind of a, his normal nine to five job. And, you know, we had, we had two young kids at the time and we, we just didn't feel like we were in a place to go out and take out some big business loan or, you know, jump in, you know, with, I mean, we were totally committed to it. It was what he'd gone to school for. We knew we were going to, to do this acupuncture practice, but at the same time, we had, we had mouths to feed and bills to pay. So we used what we had where we were at in life and built from there. And we built it, you know, I mean, at the, at the time it felt like we were building slowly, but then I look back at the progress we've made in 10 years and it's unbelievable. And I think that that's so important too. So for people who are feeling like they have to jump right out of the gate, because in a traditional, I, you know, you go to school, you get a degree, like let's say in the dentist you know, field, you go to school, you get a degree and you're immediately working in a practice and you've got patients. And so it's hard for some people to, you know, see the path another way where you might have to build and it might be slow and it might be, you know, all tandem alongside something else. But this is, it's a good story to kind of allow people to hear a journey that maybe might be there soon. You know, maybe if they open, open their minds to it, it it could be. And so one patient a week is how he started. And that's fantastic that, you know, you've grown to where you're at now. And, and those are the beginnings, you know, nothing is, is overnight. So I'm, I'm glad that you've shared that too. So, all right, let's dive in. I don't, this, I think this is the first time that we've specifically talked about the, you know, professional clinical world of Reiki on this podcast episode. I am somewhat familiar with it, um, but I would love, since you are so well-versed and you have been since a very early age, can you give our listeners um, a sort of a deeper understanding of that practice and the benefits that you see in your patients? Sure. So Reiki is an energy healing that goes back to Japanese roots. Um, it's, and actually Reiki itself is not, people think and make the assumption that it's sort of ancient, ancient, and it's really not. It's a few hundred years old um, in its Japanese roots. But I also remind everyone that the idea of energy healing is ancient, and that's where we've seen it in, um, you know, Hindu traditions. Um, we see it in, um, uh, you know, in acupuncture, which is thousands of years old. We do see it, you know, the same principles of energy healing um, in a lot of different traditions around the world. So Reiki is sort of, I describe it as like a brand almost of energy healing. And the idea with Reiki is that um, it's sort of handed down generation to generation, not through bloodlines, but through, uh, you know, practitioners, one, one handing it down to the next. And, but, I, but I also personally believe that Reiki is, is basically a, um, like a stand-in or an, 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 a way of explaining 
the energy that we all have inside of us. I personally don't believe that there's anything necessarily special or different about a Reiki practitioner than really anybody else in the world. We all have access to this energy. And we know that we are energetic beings where we live in a, in a world, you know, that consists of, of different energy forms and we are part of those energy forms. So as that energy flows in our bodies, um, it can become disrupted or blocked by different sort of emotional stress baggage, things like that. So I explained that just like your blood needs to flow in your body. And if you get a blockage in your blood flow, that causes some real physical symptoms for you. The same thing happens with our energy flow and our Reiki flow. Um, so we can't measure that scientifically yet. We can't see it with our eyes necessarily, but it's something that a lot of us feel. So when we have physical ailments or emotional ailments that we can't pinpoint a source or a reason for that, often Reiki or energy healing is what can help clear up some of that blockage. And it's basically a channeling of energy, which sounds really woo-woo, but there's no better way to explain that than that it's, it's sort of channeling this life force energy that's all around us that, that creates and sustains all the energy in the world around us and, and helping channel that into the recipient's body to help get their energy balanced and flowing again and unblock some of those blockages of some of the old kind of crap that they're carrying around with them um, and let some of that, that old past stuff go. So that's what I do with Reiki as far as, um, you know, studies and um, scientific data. Unfortunately, there's not much. And a lot of that's because Reiki is so sort of uh, subjective and it's, it's taken on these different paths that people go down with it. Each practitioner has their own way of doing it. Everybody came to Reiki through a different path. There's no like credentialing body for Reiki or anything official. Um, there are, there are paths that we all go down to learn Reiki, but it, there's nothing very official about it. So it'd be a very hard thing to study. There are some more um, specific sort of branded programs that, that operate on the same premise of Reiki that do either hands-on where they gently place hands on the body of the recipients or the client, or they kind of hover hands above them while they're doing the session. And in some of those cases, some of those organizations that are, you know, have a more of a credential program that they're officially training people in and credentialing people as practitioners, they are doing studies and having some very positive results um, to back up the the findings uh, that that this actually works and helps people. Um, is it necessarily going to you know heal a tumor cancer or something like that? I, I don't know. I mean, some people claim that it has for them, and that's amazing. And how wonderful is that? Is it anything more than the placebo effect? Honestly, at this point, we don't know. But we know that people come for Reiki and they leave feeling really good and they really love it and they come back for more because of the positive effects they're feeling in their body and in their life. And for me, that's affirming enough that I, you know, I, I personally love Reiki. I, um, I, my kids love it. My husband loves it. So we all benefit from it. We feel the benefits and I love seeing my clients benefit from it and love it. My favorite is when I get um, like these, these crotchety, cranky old men who come to see me. And I, I don't know, one of our part, you know, one of the acupuncturists will, for whatever reason, convince them to come see me. 
for Reiki. And I always expect that they're going to be completely grumpy and skeptical about it. And they're my favorite clients because they always leave just saying that that was that was amazing. What, what was that? Why does that feel so good? And I just kind of shrug my shoulders and say, I, I don't know, it's magic, but it felt great for you. That's awesome. Um, and they come back. So there is, I, I definitely am of the belief that there is something to it. I think any time that we take time to lay down in a quiet, dark room and listen to peaceful music and um, still our mind, we know that there are benefits from that. I mean, that is the practice of meditation and mindfulness. So that's half the practice right there is we are providing the space for people to come and have that quiet. And people who will say that they hate meditating and can't meditate can come and lay perfectly still and in a meditative state for a 30-minute Reiki session. So they're getting the benefits that we do know that are backed by science and by studies that we can get from mindfulness and meditation. I mean, we know what that does for ourselves physically and mentally. So that's half of it right there is there it's providing that space, that sacred time for them to have that. And on top of that, they're getting it with a connection with another human being, which I think we are so lacking in our culture. Um, having someone to, to just sit with you in your stillness and be there holding that space for you and with you without judgment, without even guidance or advice, but simply saying, I am here with you. I observe what you're going through and I'm going to just help you get through this. Um, so it's, it's synergistic and that all of those different things come into play and it's really amazing how people leave feeling so good about themselves afterwards. Wow. You know, there's so many, um, great points there. I love the last point in that at what point in the healthcare journey, do you get a place to just go and, and have somebody hold space for you? Like that's not commonplace, especially in, you know, the Western world, just the way it's set up. But, but I, I've had acupuncture many times, highly believe in acupuncture. I have not had Reiki, but I am very curious about it. And so I love that we're having this conversation, but I have felt that way also about acupuncture when I had acupuncture, like this is just really fabulous that I can just lay here, you know, and there's no judgment. It's just, it's only benefit, you know, it's, there's no stress. There's no, you know, giving me a task to do or, you know, um, a prescription to pick up or, you know, and so I, I love that that is the feel and that that uh, translates into your work too. And, um, you know, I love how you described it and we're transparent with the fact that even though our medical system is very evidence-based as it needs to be in a lot of ways that we don't necessarily have that same evidence backing this up for various good reasons and that there's no standard for this practice and no specific certification or no specific way anybody's doing it the exact same as the next. So it would be very difficult and probably any studies that would be done would would be negated by many who re, who read it because of those variations. So I, I, I'm completely understanding that piece of it. And, you know, while I know we need that evidence-based approach in traditional Western medicine because of the fact that, you know, we're, we're ingesting pills, right? I mean, we're IVs and we're taking medications and we can't just be haphazard about that. We do need some literature, but in this situation, even if it is a placebo effect, what is the downside? You know, what is there? There's, exactly. no, downside, there's no harm. So right. um, we're not talking about, you know, medication side effects here. There's what is the harm? And if there isn't an identifiable harm, then, you know, is there even a need to to fund 
extensive studies. You know, I think that that's that's a, a definitely a good point. And um, I, and I love the <laughs> I love the the crotchy old man stories. I love that 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 they ended up being your favorite. So all really fabulous. So, you know, for those listening and my, myself too, since I'm sort of new to the concept of Reiki, how do you see this? And maybe it's different from each person, but how does this sort of functionally fit into somebody's life? Is this something they do in um, tandem or in supplementation to some type of Western medicine treatment? Are they coming, is this like their primary mode or is it all over the board and everybody kind of does it their own way? So I would say it's, it's, probably all over the board. And I think each practitioner is going to give slightly different advice. Um, We really run a practice that from both the acupuncture and the Reiki standpoint, we really try to work in tandem with Western medicine and and, um, we try to make those work together for the benefit of our client. So if somebody comes in with a physical ailment um, or a mental health concern, in both acupuncture and Reiki, you know, the first things we do is ask, you know, who are you following up with medically about this? Have you gotten the help that you need to, to make sure that there's not, a, you know, an answer that we're missing from the medical standpoint? Um, and that's not our place to advise or, or give advice about, but we do make sure that they're getting that advice from a qualified person. And then, um, so, so Reiki really should be an adjunct or an add-on to that, or in the case where they've, they've already gone down that road and have not gotten answers or help, then Reiki can be a really great benefit in that way. Um, so it is, it is hopefully an, an add-on into your life that helps bring you peace, clarity, calm, and you know, most people leave the first day you know, having great sleep that night, um, and they just feel really good for a while afterwards. I usually recommend to my clients that we want to get them to a maintenance routine of where they come in for Reiki once a month. And typically it'll take a few extra treatments at the beginning to get them to that place. So depending on sort of how big the issue is that they're coming for, how distressed they are, some people are able to just come in right off the bat and start going once a month for Reiki. And some people, you know, need to come in once a week for a while or once every two weeks while we sort of clear out a few energy things and get them a little bit more balanced so that they get to that more sustainable place of coming once a month. But for most people, it's, you know, it's a once a month thing, just kind of a charges them up and um, helps them feel really good then in between those treatments. Fabulous. Okay. That's a great clarification because I I didn't know the frequency either. So perfect, perfect in clarifying that as we kind of, um, you know, move forward and chatting more about Reiki. And I also want to get to the family dynamic because like I mentioned, parenting and family and um, incorporating this into your family is, is super big. So we'll get to that next, but first, can you kind of just take us through what a visit looks like. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I think more people probably are familiar with acupuncture than with Reiki. So somebody comes in and what what is occurring and they're laying down on a table. So just kind of take us through the very like elementary basics of what this looks like in a visit. Absolutely. So I get, uh, our appointments are, we do 20, I do about 25 to 30 minutes of actual Reiki. And so then I ask people to allow about 40 to 45 minutes for the whole the whole appointment. Um, they come in, um, we go into a private treatment room so that, you know, they have some privacy to speak with me and I find out kind of what brought them in, what their expectations are, if they've had Reiki before. I explain how it works, which I explained a little bit at the beginning of this podcast of what Reiki is and how it works as an energy treatment. Um, and then I have them lay down on the table. I typically have them, it's like a massage table. They lay um, face up. 
a lot of Reiki practitioners are trained to do hour-long appointments, and they do the first half with a person on their back facing up, and then they do the second half with a person facing down, and they work on their back. Um, I actually do half-hour treatments because I find that's easier for people to fit into their schedules and lives and keep up with. Um, so that's just, you know, a personal decision I've made. So I work on the top of people's bodies, typically. If they're uncomfortable for any reason in that position, we can certainly change that around. I had one client who was really uncomfortable laying down at all, so we would do her treatments in a chair. And every once in a while, we will do combo treatments with acupuncture. So in that case, the acupuncturist decides what position the person will be in so that they can put in all the needles. And then while the needles are in, I'll provide Reiki. But if it's just a Reiki treatment, um, they'll lay on their back facing up. I'll uh, start at the top of their head. We play some peaceful music. I turn out the lights. I count backwards from 10 to 1 to help get them into sort of a deeper, relaxed state. And then I do hands-on Reiki, which again is different from practitioner to practitioner. Some do where they just kind of hover their hands without touching, but I believe that we really need more touch in our society. So I do hands-on as long as the client is comfortable with that. I start at the top of their head and then I put my hands on different energy centers around their body. So I start at their head and I work my way around their body. Um, I guess it, it would be like a counterclockwise um, you know, that I, that I go in around their body. So I go down one side of their body. Um, I do some grounding at their ankles and feet, and then I come up the other side of their body. And then I end the session at their head again. I let everybody know at the beginning as well, that I will, they'll hear me count back up again at the end of the session, because sometimes people are afraid to like let go and really relax or afraid that they're going to fall asleep and not know what it's over. So I tell them, go ahead, completely relax and let go. And then you'll hear my voice again at the end of the session as I count back up. Um, and that's how it works. And I'm, I, I don't say anything during the session unless the person choose, you know, the client chooses to speak or they're uncomfortable for some reason. They're, they're of course, welcome to speak at any time, but um, otherwise I'm quiet throughout the session and just let them totally relax. I usually intuitively pick up a few things about, you know, just sort of energetically what I'm noticing and I share that with them at the end as well. Um, and just in sort of a quick recap at the end. And that's how it, that's how it works. Fabulous. And what is the client or patient feeling? So what, what is there, and I'm sure this is variable too, but what, um, what is happening sort of internally or what are they describing to you as happening as this is occurring? Right. So it's a little, it's subjective and different from person to person, but typically the things I hear is that they either feel um, a lot of heat, specifically where my hands are at usually. Um, they'll feel a lot of heat, they'll feel pressure or heaviness or sometimes the tingling sensation. And often they'll feel a heaviness where my hands are um, as the energy sort of flows into them, but then my, I'll keep moving and they will keep feeling that heaviness. And sometimes they'll even open their eyes and look during the treatment and be like, okay, I feel you, you know, down on my legs where you were 10 minutes ago, but now you're not. And I still feel your hands, like your hands are there. So that, those are the, those are the things I usually hear back from them. Mm, super interesting. Okay. And what are, what are some of the maybe um, short and long-term, you know, what are people saying are the effects in their daily life and their health and wellness? What does this translate into on a more long-term scale? That's a great question. Um, I, what I hear back from my long-term clients is that they're sleeping better. Um, often they'll start as they get more in touch with their body, which I think can happen through all different kinds of holistic practices, but they get more in touch with their body. So they're choosing healthier lifestyle choices, often drinking more water, eating more healthy, 
things like that. They're just in touch with their body and what their, their body needs better. Um, and then often they, they start even make, I mean, they, they little aches and pains in their body are of course, you know, being resolved and going away, but they start to make lifestyle changes as well. Um, in their relationships and their job, I see them start getting, um, if they come in kind of meek, um, with, with this energy that's sort of just very open and free form, they'll start firming up their boundaries a little bit so that they start establishing better boundaries and people aren't there or they don't feel like people are taking advantage of them anymore. Um, they start forming healthier relationships with their loved ones. So I see this happening all the time with my clients that it's not just like their physical health, but kind of everywhere in life. And again, that's not necessarily advice I'm giving them or guidance, but just as I talk energetically about how their energy is flowing, I see them gain confidence and, um, just better, better boundaries and relationships in their life. So interesting. Do you think that that's because they, um, have now felt what a healthy energy flow feels like and what's coming at them begins to block it again? So they are, um, sort of standing firm against that and protecting their energy. Is that kind of the feel or where do you think that comes, that change comes from? I think that's definitely a part of it. I think it's also just for them to recognize this ownership that this is their energy to protect and and utilize how they want to. I think when they come in, they often don't quite recognize the energy that they have. And I think that throughout working with the Reiki energy, they really learn sort of the boundaries of their own energy that like, oh, this, this is my energy. This is what I'm feeling. This is who I am. And I can protect that in ways and I can share that in certain ways because most people come in either needing to work on setting up better boundaries so that they're not just giving, giving, giving of themselves all the time without much balance there or the opposite, um, where they've got these like, you know, really strong walls up and they aren't really letting anybody in and they're never being vulnerable with anybody. So they figure out where they're at on that spectrum to start working on that balance better. So interesting. I love that, that impact. Um, not one that I had expected, but again, I wasn't well-versed in it. So I think that that is so valuable in our society today. Cause I think a lot of people are giving from a point of depletion and even from the standpoint of, you know, being sort of medically from the body standpoint. Well, a lot of people don't even know what it feels like to feel well. And, and from your standpoint, they don't know what it feels like to have a, you know, healthy flowing amount of energy and, um, and so I, I love that they're beginning to feel that and then protecting that. So that's, that's really very fabulous. Now, I know you have a very, um, I guess, non-traditional um, um, family. <laughs> I mean, you really, uh, the, um, when I saw your bio, I was like, all right, we have to hit on that because um, as a mom of one, <laughs> I, was, I had to read it a few times. Like, is that an extra zero there? So, okay, you have, let me just review and make sure I have this right, but you have fostered 20 children in the past eight years? Correct, yes. And adopted um, four? And adopted four and given, yeah, and given birth to two. That was, that was um, 11 and nine years ago, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we've had, during all this time of starting our our wellness practice, um, I, I'm, sometimes I'm a little crazy and I decided that you know, building a, building a business was not quite enough for me. So <laughs> we said, well, what else can we do? And we decided to, to take the jump into foster care. 
So yeah, we, um, we had two young kids at home and decided to become licensed foster parents. And so um, it's been actually seven and a half years that we've had our foster license and we've fostered about 20 kids during that time. We've completed four adoptions and we just uh, like a week, two weeks ago, um, finally closed our foster license actually because our, our home is full and we, we finally feel like our plates are very full right now uh, to give any more. But, um, but yeah, it's been a, an amazing journey. So we have six kids in our family between the ages of two and 11. And then we also um, you know, have a couple of young adults in the world who we fostered through their teen years who still are not living at home but feel very much part of our family. Um, and then, of course, all you know, every kid that we've ever fostered has, you know, still has a piece of our heart, and we remember each of them fondly. But yeah, that's that's been a huge piece of uh, behind the scenes activity going on for our family. So amazing, and I, I just am always in awe. I have a lot of friends who do um, when we lived in back in Washington and um, do a lot of fostering and adopting, and I just am so in awe of how, how needed that is and, and what a sacrifice that is for the parents who do that. What, what kind of led you to that? And what are some of your, um, I don't know, pearls of wisdom you might've gained through that process? Um, so we, I always, I have a lot of adoption in my, in my family and I always expected I would be an adoptive parent. Um, when my husband and I got married, that was sort of part of the plan was to, to adopt. And the more we looked into different adoption options, we really found there is so much corruption, unfortunately, in adoption. And there are cases where adoption is very, very needed and very valuable, but there's just so much money involved. And unfortunately, when there's any time there's lots of lots and lots of money involved, there is a lot of corruption. Um, so again, we just followed the nudges of the universe. It felt like we were sort of fighting an uphill battle that was not making sense to us. Um, we were pursuing this dream that really wasn't it wasn't such a dream anymore as we started looking into the nitty gritty of it. So it was my husband who suggested, what if we do foster care instead? And that immediately resonated with us. Um, and we went to club. We thought we were going to do adoption with the goal. I'm sorry. We thought we were going to do foster care with the goal of adapting through foster care. And when we started doing the classes, we really learned about the need for helping to reunify kids with their biological families whenever possible. Um, and that also really resonated with us. Again, it wasn't the path we thought we were going to be on, but we really loved that idea of helping, um, you know, recognizing that these kids all had families they came from. And there are so many misconceptions. You know, we see the really the worst of the worst stories in the news. And we assume that every kid in foster care comes from you know, these, these horrible abusive monsters like we read about in the news or see on TV. And again, those are the worst of the worst. The, the reality is that most kids in foster care have very loving families, um, you know, with extended networks and, and parents who love them and want them. And, um, you know, and unfortunately, often the parents of the kids in foster care were foster children themselves, or in, in some cases still are foster children themselves who are still youth in care um, because they're young parents. So it's just so cyclical and so generational. And we felt really passionate about trying to help families reunify together. So we have, we have really taken that on. We really love that. Um, you know, my advice would be to anybody looking into foster care to really 
you know, try to take the blinders off and, and look at that with fresh eyes because we, we all go into, most of us go into it really making assumptions um, that can do a lot of harm if we're not careful. So we, we really want to try to balance that by helping what is really in the, in the kid's best interest, which is often to be with their biological families as often as possible. Um, and otherwise, I would say that even when you, um, even when you, you think that, um, it, that your life is full, I mean, we were very busy with, you know, starting a business and Mike was working and, um, we, you know, it never seemed like the right time. And yet we just jumped forward anyway and did it. And our life has blossomed. We've been blessed in so many ways. Um, and I think, you know, foster care or any, any major things we do in life really require that sort of just blind bravery sometimes. I mean, we don't want to do stupid things, but you got to just sort of jump, jump in to the unknown and try it. And sometimes you'll just be really, really blessed. So we've been really lucky that way. Mm, I love that you, um, and I just talked about surrendering to my previous guests and, um, and I'm actually doing an entire mastermind on surrendering. And so I, I kind of see that, you know, that blind jump as, you, you guys in your journey have definitely had moments where plenty of moments where you have sort of released the need to have all the answers and followed some of the paths that have been laid out before you. So, and I love that fostering was part of that. How do you feel that your holistic health approach has, um, played into the family life as well? So you're, you know, you and your husband are, are at work, you work on your clients at work. Um, do you come home and, um, want to then transfer that to your kids. You come home and never want to talk about that again until you get back to work the next day. How does that, how does that play into and sort of seamlessly flow into the home life? It's, it is pretty seamless. Um, our, you know, our kids are very versed in different holistic health techniques. Um, it, it is, it's, it's very seamless. Um, our office, we expanded recently and, um, we specifically built a room, like a kid's playroom there because we have all of us who work there bring our kids so often to the office, um, whether they're just coming for a treatment there or they're coming to hang out while mom or dad is working. Um, so they're in the office with us all the time. And then, yeah, we're constantly offering, you know, acupuncture, Reiki, cupping, different modalities at home for them as well. Um, and the acupuncture, some of the kids love and some of the kids don't love so much. Um, the Reiki, they all love. Um, they, they, they all love Reiki, just that time alone with mom. Again, like that sacred space of just sitting in a quiet space together um, is so beneficial for all of us. And I think especially for my kids who, you know, have come to us after some trauma and heartbreak in their lives, um, to just have this, this person, I'm, I, you know, I'm not perfect and I certainly have made a lot of mistakes in my life, but that's one thing I can offer the kids is to just kind of sit and quiet with me and, and just have me be there with them through this journey. Um, which is something we don't do often enough. I think we try so hard and I, I, I get caught up in it myself too, of trying to heal and trying to fix and trying to do something all the time, especially for these kids who come sort of so broken and so hurt. Um, and to just offer that time that, Hey, we can just sit together and be together. And I'm just going to, you know, just do some Reiki for you. They all absolutely love it. Um, and I think for them to learn that they have so much power and energy in themselves, no matter what chaos is going on in their lives of moving here and there and being torn from everything they know to recognize that they always have this power and energy inside of them is really, really powerful. 
So it's just, it's a very seamless part of our lives um, that you get tired of every time they have a cold or, you know, a stomach bug. We're like, okay, lay down and we'll put some needles in you. That's when they're like, no, needles. <laughs> um, but the rest of it's pretty good. And they actually, I mean, some of the kids really love uh, acupuncture and, and they all love cupping techniques and they all love Reiki. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, and it's, it's nice that um, it's such a part of our family. What an amazing blessing that these kids are growing up with you guys as parents and for their exposure to this at such a young age. You know, I mean, I'm, I, this is, I mean, I'm only learning about a lot of these techniques, you know, within the last half a decade, you know, and to be able to grow up with this, I feel like it's such an amazing, just such an amazing blessing. So what, what an amazing story. And I uh, commend you for the work you do for your clients, the work you do for the families that you're touching, just really so fabulous. And I hope that um, many who are listening take lots of insights from this and in whatever way that is. If it's, you know, maybe, maybe there are some some parents who feel like their kids could benefit, even though they aren't personally doing the Reiki because they maybe don't aren't well-versed in it. But I think that opening up the doors to this being something we could help our kids with, even if it's not us doing it. You know, I, I think that it, and along those lines, um, if somebody is listening who thinks I would like to explore this or at least open the door to this being something that might be a part of our lives, what are your recommendations for finding a solid option, a credible option where, you know, what would you guide people if they're not in your area? Cause obviously then we'll guide them to you, but if they're <laughs> elsewhere, um, you know, what would be your recommendations for finding a, a practitioner? So my recommendation for Reiki is to find somebody who you really has either a lot of, you know, reviews that are good or through personal recommendations, um, because it's such a personal thing and there is, you know, there's not a credentialing body or anything like that. So that would be the way to find somebody with Reiki. And if you want somebody for your kids, then you're definitely going to want to, um, uh, find somebody who specializes in kids or has worked with kids a lot. For acupuncture, we really recommend working with an acupuncturist who is licensed and board certified. Um, there are a lot of other professions, uh, medical doctors, um, physical therapists, massage therapists, sometimes chiropractors, who can take a, a very relatively short class and um, with the with the license that they already hold in their specialty, they're able to do acupuncture. And unfortunately, most of the time, that's just it, not quite enough training in, in what acupuncture really is. Um, you know, when you compare that to a licensed acupuncturist who's gone to school for three or so years of, of a graduate level program. Um, so we really recommend going with somebody who is licensed and board certified specifically in acupuncture. Um, if, if that's what you're looking for. And again, there are, our practice specializes in pediatrics as well as adults, but there are not a ton that are very comfortable treating kids with acupuncture um, so, or, you know, or just don't necessarily have the experience in it. So you're going to want to call around and ask them, you know, if they are experienced in treating children and if that's an interest to them um, to work with kids. Um, so yeah, that would be, that would be my recommendation, I guess, is, you know, just get online and, you know, those, you know, reviews are a great way to go, especially like Google reviews and Facebook reviews. Um, and, and you, you know, you can't be word of mouth. Perfect. Perfect advice. And so obviously the final and most important question is how do people find you? I know not everybody's going to be in <laughs> your area, but it, who knows who it might hit and who might not know that you're in their area. So where are you, I guess, physically located in your office? And then is there anything that you, do you have any offerings that might be virtual or, or is there anything online that people might be able to, to glean wisdom from? 
Sure. So the name of our practice is Family Tree Holistic Health, and that is in Arlington Heights, Illinois. It's in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. So certainly if you are in the Chicagoland area and looking for any of these treatments, um, you can look us up at FamilyTreeHolisticHealth.com or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Family Tree Holistic Health. And then um, if you just want to you know, follow me for my wit and wisdom, you can look me up at Jasmine Sasek. And my last name, well, my first name is J-A-S-M-I-N-E. And last name is spelled S like Sam, A like Adam, S-S like Sam, A-C-K. Um, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, my husband and I, Michael and I, just started our own podcast. It's called Happy Healthy Sassy. Um, so you can look that up. Or if, again, if you just go to my Facebook page or Instagram, you'll find the link there for that, where we just sort of share some of our own uh, journey with our family and holistic health tips and things like that. So those would be the best ways to, to find me. What an adorable name for your podcast um, with, a, with a spin on your last name. I love it, love it, love it. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of your insights. I will have all of those links and um, handles for social media on this, the notes. And I, uh, yeah, I'll be following your podcast. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for having me on. I love this. Okay, my new friend, Jasmine, challenge accepted. I asked my son Dylan what true wellness means to him and much like your son Dean there was a bit of hesitation and what seemed to be a potential lack of answer until he thought about it and he said wellness means being healthy feeling good and being positive so that's his answer and he's sticking with it I hope you enjoyed this episode and I actually hope that it inspired you to expand your boundaries a bit on the services and practices you do to keep yourself and your family well. I'll see you here again next time.